Well, what a wonderful service we had here this morning as we uh, go through lessons and carols, as we retell the story of history. We've talked about the fall, and then we move to the prophecies, and then the, the announcement to the, the shepherds, and then the birth. It's really fitting in our closing minutes as we look at Simeon, who had faith waiting for Christ to come. Will you pray with me? God, thanks for today, Father. We thank you for our musicians here who are with us this morning, Father, for giving their gifts back to you, Father, and serving you, Father. We praise you that we can be in your house this morning, praising your name for what you did. Thank you for sending your son to be born, to die for us, and to be raised again three days later. Father, we praise you for that. I pray that as we look at Simeon, his faith, speak through me, that my words are your words, my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. I ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, in the few remaining moments we have here today, one of the things that, as we've been doing, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called All I Want for Christmas. And we looked a few weeks ago, we looked at joy. Then we looked at, at peace. Then hope. And last week, as we looked at hope, we looked at shepherds. Now we, now we come to a man named Simeon, another character in the story. He really comes next in the story. Many scholars would say he comes before the Magi. We know that based on the gifts that Mary and Joseph brought to the temple. Two doves, pigeons, that was really the traditional gift of those that were not, not as well off or weren't as fortunate to be able to afford a bigger sacrifice, a lamb or a goat. And surely if the Magi brought gold, they would be able to afford that. So Simeon really comes next in the story. As we look at the background of the passage, we see that Mary and Joseph bring, bring Jesus to the temple. As you have in your service sheets, we're in Luke 2, verses 21, your service sheets or your, your Bibles. It says, in the eighth day when it comes to, to circumcise him, he, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So Mary and Joseph have the baby, and they, they take him eight days later to be circumcised. Circumcision was really a spiritual act done for the custom of cleansing from depravity of sin, which is passed on through every generation. It was a physical symbol of a cleansing. Now the question might be, well, why did Jesus have to be circumcised if it was already sinless? Well, he came to fulfill the law, as we know. Like in his baptism, Jesus' circumcision served as a fulfillment of righteousness. He therefore could say he filled the law, per- fulfilled the law perfectly. So his righteousness can be credited to us as believers. So he goes to the temple. They take him to the temple. They also give him the name Jesus, as we see there. It says his name was Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he'd been conceived. It's perfectly fitting. The Greek for Jesus is, uh, excuse me, the Hebrew word is from Joshua which means Yahweh will save. Perfectly fitting as Jesus is the one who will, who will eventually grow up and die for, for the salvation of the world and then be raised again three days later. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So then we have Mary and Joseph. That's the background. They're taking him to the temple and we run into this man named Simeon who's in the temple. 
As we can see in verse 25, it says, There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. All, this thing, all these things that we've been talking about up to now, the fall of man, the prophecy that somebody will come back and save you, there'll be a savior of the world. And the announcement to the angels, the hope the shepherds received, all was happening. And Simeon had faith to wait. He knew that Jesus was coming. And he waited. He was waiting for the consolation or comfort of Israel. The encouragement for Israel. A savior to be born. It says of Simeon that he was righteous and devout. He lived a righteous life. Followed Old Testament laws. He sought to live per, uh, rightly before God. He also was devout. He was careful to obey the laws. He was careful to honor God and to lead a, a life of example for others. So what happens with Simeon? We see in verse 27, he was moved by the Spirit. He went to the, temple, to the temple courts. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. So we look at this passage, it's kind of apparent that Simeon really didn't have a reason to go to the temple at the time. The Spirit moved him to do so. I wonder how that, I always wonder how that nudging happened. Maybe it was from his, maybe it was from his wife, or maybe it was a neighbor or a friend. Either way, the Spirit nudged him, moved him to go to the temple. He says, I think I'll go to church. That's what the Spirit moves. Those of us that know and love Jesus, who have asked the Holy Spirit to come in, we understand that nudging, that moving. When the Holy Spirit convicts us to do things. Whether or not Simeon knew this, we don't know. But what we do know about Simeon is this was not the first time that the Spirit tapped him on the shoulder. In verse 26, it says it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It was revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he saw Christ. So he was waiting, listening, waiting for him. Can you imagine, church, what that would do to you if you knew the future? If you knew something was going to happen, what would that do for you? You would live so differently. Your life would be so different. Simeon's life was different. You know, as we approach the end of the year, I'm always amazed about how many people are trying to kind of predict things for next year. As you look at the news, you look at uh, things on the internet or, or, or whatnot about things, predicting things for next year, whether it's uh, fi the financial market or the, the housing market. How will it be in 2014? What will the, the new tech trends be or the new fashion trends be? Well, what sports teams will, will make it to, 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 the, to the final, a big game? All these people predicting what will happen in 2014. What would it do to you if you knew the future, if you knew what would happen? It would push you to live so differently. Simeon's life is an example of that. He had faith and acted upon it. Many people know something but never commit to it. I was wondering if Simeon, who knew the future, but then prompted by the Spirit, said, eh, I'm not going to go now. No, he moved. His faith moved him. That's what faith does. It moves him. It says he was waiting. Understand that in the Greek, there's a lot of terms for waiting. They use different words. Some means to, uh, there's different words to, uh, uh, to look up or to, to, to look about, to look upon, to look at something intently. The phrase was waiting comes from the word prosdekomai. Pros means forward. Dekomai means wait. Put them together and what do you have? 
wait forwardly. Wait forwardly. Simeon was waiting forwardly with anticipation. He was waiting. He knew something was going to happen. He was waiting patiently, but he was waiting forwardly, excitingly. I can only imagine when he got that nudging from the Holy Spirit as he walked down the street, people saying, hey, Simeon, what's going on? And he's just going to the temple. Hey, what's going on? Going to the temple. Simeon, how you doing today? Fine, got to go, got to be somewhere, got to get to the temple. Simon knew how to wait for the arrival of the Lord. He was waiting forwardly. Such was the lifestyle of Simeon. But such is our lifestyle as well. Because haven't we, like Simeon, been told of the coming of Christ, his second coming? Aren't we, like Simeon, heirs of a promise that Christ will come again? He was born, he died, he was raised from the dead, and he will come again. That's the joy we can have as we, as we approach this Christmas, as we approach our life. We are heirs of the same promise. That's what you see in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verses 42. It says, therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is this faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in the household to give them their food at the proper time? It would be good for that servant whose master finds himself doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. We know the answer. We know the future. We know that Christ who died and was raised again is coming back to us someday. So shouldn't that push us to live differently, church? To wait forwardly. Simeon knew that. How he waited for the first coming is how we should wait for the second coming. Because aren't we looking for the same face? What does this mean? First, it means we wait patiently. We wait patiently. We, like Simeon, have faith that God will return, so we wait patiently. It allows us to bear with things in life as we have it. There are many people in church right now, many people in this room, who may be dealing with all kinds of things right now. Maybe it's family issues. Maybe it's marital problems. Maybe it's financial issues. Maybe you have a sickness in your family. Maybe you have a big decision to make, and you're you're oppressed with all kinds of bad things in life. The joy comes in knowing that Christ is in control and he will come again. And this life is only temporary. If you're in the financial market and you knew that at the end of 2014 you're going to have a huge windfall, don't you think that if you went through January and February and things were really tight and really low that you would have a different outlook on life? Why? You would have a joy. Why? Because you know the future. You know the ending. That's what Simeon had. Church, it must push him to wait patiently in life, to bear with anything. We wait patiently. That's why Romans 8.25 says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's a faith that Christ will return someday, that we will be with him in heaven, as long as we know him as our Savior, that allows us to wait patiently in life. That's why I love the passage from Isaiah. Very famous, familiar passage, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Simeon had that. 
waiting forwardly, be able to deal with issues of this life, knowing that he's going to see Christ. For some of us, waiting is not the problem. Or I should say, maybe waiting is the problem. Some of us are so good at waiting that we don't wait forwardly, as Simeon did. We forget to listen to the prompting of God's Spirit. We aren't moved when the Spirit says, go pray, go worship, go celebrate, go share that same good news. Some of us are so, so good at waiting, we've come, become complacent, not vigilant. I remember I was talking to someone who said uh, they would take the bus downtown uh, to work every day, and they said they didn't like taking the bus anymore, and they've stopped taking the bus because they would always sit next to somebody who they knew did not know uh, Jesus Christ, but they didn't, and they always felt convicted to tell that person, but they never wanted to, and so they, they instead didn't want to ride the bus anymore so they wouldn't feel that conviction every time they got to work. That's the spirit moving. Some of us have become so complacent, so waiting so patiently for Christ's return that we've lost our vigilance, lost that celebration, lost the, the need and desire to share the love of Christ with those around us. And we have so many of us around us, our family, our friends. And we don't know the time when he'll come back, but we need to be vigilant to do so. Simeon reminds us of that. He reminds us to wait forwardly, as someone said, patiently vigilant, but not so patient that we lose our vigilance, but not so vigilant that we lose our patience. Simeon is a true test of that. Then there may be others in this room who aren't waiting for anything at all. There's a lot of people that come to church and flock to church at Christmas time because they're aroused by the curiosity of what's going on. They like the nativity story. And they, like Simeon, may know the story, but they don't have faith to act on it. They haven't truly committed to that. It hasn't pushed them to do anything. My encouragement for you is have the faith to step out. And not just know the story, but commit fully to him. Understand that he died for you. And then it's a matter of confessing our sins to him and asking our need for our Savior and to trust him. Ask him to come into our lives to lead us because we can have a relationship with him now that he's alive and risen from the dead. Oh, as a church, as my prayer to you as a pastor, that's the only thing that I would want for you on your Christmas list this year. All I want for Christmas is true faith because he is coming back. And we'll either see him before we die or after we die and we'll stand before him and he'll ask us, why should I let you into my kingdom? And my prayer for you, that you walk out of here with that full assurance to be able to say, let me in because I've asked, I understand that I need a savior, that I'm a sinner. I've asked for your forgiveness. I've asked for you to wash me clean. I ask for you to come into my life, be the Lord of my life because I trust in you. That's my prayer for you. That we'll know what to say at that time. Simeon knew what to say at that time. He had that answer, as we see in verse 28. He had the answer in the end, verse 28. He says, he took him, Jesus, in his arms and praised God, it says, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, salvation, a savior, someone to be born, to die for us which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon had that answer. He says, now dismiss your servant in peace. What a wonderful prayer. 
My prayer for you, church, is that you will have that, be able to have that same answer when you see Christ someday. And to be able to say with full assurance and full confidence, as one author wrote of this narrative, one look in the face of Jesus, and Simeon knew it was time to go home. And one look in the face of our Savior, and we will know the same. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for the fact that you did send your son to be born in a manger, Father. To come and to die, Father, and to be raised again three days later to have a relationship with us, Father. We are so grateful for that, Father. And we are so grateful that you are coming back again. Father, help us to wait forwardly, Father, as Simeon did. To wait patiently, to bear with this life, Father, but also to be vigilant and be prompted by the Spirit. And church, as we continue in an attitude of prayer, if there are some folks that are in here this morning who maybe have never made that commitment, maybe you know in your head the story, but you've never made that commitment to Christ, it's as simple as praying a simple prayer. I ask if you have not made that commitment that you pray along with me in your hearts to him, not to me, to him, so you have that full assurance to know what you'll say to, to God at the time when you see him. Pray this prayer with me in the silence of your own, heart, own hearts. Dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner. And I am in need of a Savior. I understand that you came and died for me to take my place and that you were raised up again on the third day. I ask that you forgive my sins. I confess them to you. Wash me clean, Lord. Father, thank you for saving me. I now put my faith and trust in you and ask you come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And Father, we praise you right now, Father. Father, we praise you for what you've done. We praise you for those in this room who maybe have committed to you for the very first time. God, we praise you for them. We are celebrating along with you. Father, there's so much to be grateful for. Father, I again ask that we take heart of what Simeon learned, to wait patiently, to wait vigilantly until we see your face again. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.